first coming attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes, interview celebrities, and review new movies, TV shows, and digital releases. Now, here are your hosts from Kids First Coming Attractions. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and today we are going to be talking about the Baby Mind Project, Two Hearts, A Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunters. But first, we are going to be talking with Rick Korn on Harry Chapman, When in Doubt, Do Something. And I will be passing it over to Zoe. Hey everyone, I'm Zoe Canella reporting for Kids First, and today I'm here with Rick Korn, the director of Harry Chapman, When in Doubt, Do Something. Hi Rick, how are you? Hi Zoe, how you doing? I'm good. Um, I think it's really fascinating how you met Rick in high, no, Harry in high school. Um, so how did you react when you first saw that he was coming? And then how did you ex- see his music? And what like really attracted you to go and see him perform? Well, it was 1974. I was a junior in high school. And there was an announcement uh, on the principal made over the loudspeaker telling everyone to go down to the school auditorium. We had no idea Harry was coming. And of course, at that point in time, it's 1974, he's already a big rock and roll star. So uh, we all gathered in, uh, all the teachers and uh, principals and everybody in the school came down. And Harry came, you know, running in to uh, with the guitar, his guitar over his shoulder and played a two-hour concert that was the best lecture slash concert you ever went to. He talked about hunger and poverty. He played some music. He talked about hunger and poverty and, you know, played some music. And it was just so entertaining. And the interesting part was he stayed for two more hours afterwards and answered questions of students and talked about why hunger is organization and it was really very magical. That's amazing. Yeah, that's one of the things I love about Harry. I mean, he's so such a humanist and a philanthropist and I feel like he really just does well, did so much good for the world. So what made you really decide to make this documentary? Well, you know, Harry instilled in me that day and a lot of us uh, about doing something about the the things that are going on in the world. Uh, and so my career path uh, kind of followed in that way. But the way that we ended up doing the Harry film is that I was interviewing Harry's uh, partner, Bill Ayers. He was father Bill Ayers at the time. And um, I asked him, this was two and a half years ago, and I was filming him for a completely different documentary. And I asked him at the end of the interview, I said, Bill, how come no one's ever done a documentary on you and Harry? It's just this amazing story. And he said, I don't know. Why don't you do it? So I went back and I wrote the treatment for it. Uh, it took me a few months to write it the way I wanted it and um, presented it to Sandy Chapin, Harry's wife, and his son, uh, Jason Chapin. And uh, here we are two and a half years later, and we got this amazing film. That's so, um, that's such a fascinating story. And that's something that I love about Harry. I think he's such an amazing activist and just really wants to do good for the world. So now I want to know what inspired you or why did you really want to make this documentary? Well, um, Harry inspired me. 
Harry inspired me years ago when I was in high school. Um, I really, my career has been about making films that really matter in the world today. Uh, and Harry really matters in the world uh, right now. The, the programs, uh, the charities that he set up, like Why Hunger and the Harry Chapin Foundation and Long Island Cares, are worldwide organizations that today, in the middle of a pandemic, those organizations and Harry's programs are, in, are on the front lines, literally saving lives. And, and so we felt it was important to do so. But um, the way that we got around to doing it is that I was interviewing uh, his partner who started Why Hunger, Father Bill Ayers, and we um, asked him at the end of an interview that we were doing on another documentary, um, why hasn't anyone done a documentary on you and Harry? And he said, I don't know, why don't you do it? And so we wrote the treatment and I wanted, I would not be that interested in doing a documentary on a singer songwriter that is the typical story, you know, big career, drugs, alcohol, whatever, and their lives or careers crash. And that tends to be the bulk of the stories with Harry Harry was addicted to activism. He was addicted to giving back. He, would, he w truly wanted to change the world, particularly hunger and poverty was his main cause, but he helped in so many different ways. Women's rights, um, it wasn't called climate change then, but he called it ecology, right? But, you know, all the things that um, are an outgrowth of hunger and poverty, um, you know, uh, women, equal rights for women is a great example of that. You know, women are paid less than men and women have the same issues. They have to feed their families. They have to take care of their kids. They've got to school their kids. And it, the fact that women are not paid equal to men, you know, really contributes to hunger and poverty. And those are the things that really concerned him back in the 70s that are so, so relevant. That's one of the things I really, really loved about this documentary because I actually had no idea um, about this, which I think that's a good thing because it's a good um, eye opener for new generations and also a refresher for people who already knew um, Harry and his songs. So I think that's such an amazing thing. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we are talking about the Baby Mind Project, Two Hearts, a, a Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting. And right now we are going to be continuing Zoe's interview with Rick Korn. So I also want to know, because this is a documentary, so was it difficult to get access to all of the footage um, in the, that you used? <laughs> Well, um, we were very fortunate. Um, we, the, the Chapins, who are our partners on the film, the Chapins have an office in Long Island called the Chapin Office. And in that office, they have a closet, a gigantic closet, full of interviews that Harry did and concerts that he did and, and everything you can possibly think of. So we were very fortunate, and it was all in pretty good shape. We had to digitize it all. And we found things in there and music in there that even the family didn't know existed. So it was amazing. I will tell you, however, there were two really disappointing things that we didn't get. One was 
there was a TV show back in the day called The Johnny Carson Show. It is The Tonight Show, which is uh, what Colbert uh, uh, hosts today. But uh, Johnny uh, in, did uh, a show with Harry. It was the first time Harry was on the air. Uh, and he did a song called Taxi, which ended up becoming a big hit. And it was the highest rated Johnny Carson show ever. And that show is the only Johnny Carson show out of all the Johnny Carson shows we have. And we have all of Harry's appearances on Johnny Carson that no longer exists. It was back in the day, NBC would film over shows. And that was one of the shows that they filmed over. So we didn't have that. Uh, the other thing that we didn't have is there, Harry hired uh, a gentleman to do a documentary on him back in 1980. And um, that footage uh, was destroyed in a, in a warehouse fire. Oh, wow. Like 15 minutes of that footage, which we have in the film, uh, but the rest of it was, was, was gone, unfortunately. So... Um, but yeah, it's difficult. Whenever you do a documentary, the most difficult thing is to find the relevant footage, particularly if it's someone that is no longer alive, because that becomes the soundtrack uh, of the, the film. It becomes the voiceover of the film. And if you don't have a lot of it, it makes it very difficult. But we were blessed. We, we, we did have a, a good amount. We didn't have everything I wanted, but, but uh, we made it work. Yeah, that's really unfortunate about the warehouse and everything. But I think the footage that you did use, everything turned out great. And now I kind of want to talk about the songs and the song choices. So everyone knows um, Cats in a Cradle, the iconic song. And Harry, I feel like he really has the power to tell stories with his songs and really ex um, connect people. So why did you choose the songs? Or why did you choose specific songs to use sure. in the documentary? That's actually a really great question because the most difficult thing for a director is marrying the right song with the right moment. For me, uh, I select songs not necessarily where lyrically it has to fit exactly to the scene that you're creating, but it has to elicit the kind of emotion. It certainly helps if you know, the, 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 the lyrics fit the scene, but it's really about the emotion that you get out of a song that makes you feel what Harry or another person is saying in the film. We used 52 of Harry's songs in the film. Uh, and we use some of them more than once. Uh, remember when the music we used a number of times because it, it fit a number of different scenes. It, 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 it fit uh, a, a scene uh, early in the film when he and his brothers kind of broke up, his brothers threw him out of the band. It fit after Harry died, and it, and it fit later in the film because Bruce Springsteen does it. And Bruce makes every song great, right? So um, we used that song more than once. And we, Harry did not uh, write a lot of protest songs. You would think, you know, someone that was so, such an activist and so philanthropic that there would be more protest songs. Um, and there really wasn't uh, until late in his career. Uh, but there was one song that was never recorded. The family had never heard it before. And it was, it's a, it, it looks terrible in the film because it was barely video, but the song is amazing. And it's called Cry for My Country. 
and it was never recorded. Harry wrote the song specifically for the TV show he was on, which was a news program, and it was about, uh, back, again, this is back in the 70s, uh, and the economy was horrible, and manufacturing jobs were going away, and so the program was about that, and he wrote this song, Cry For My Country, and it is by far my favorite song in the film. And, and not just because I love the song and the way it's performed, but it, it, it can, it's a song that fits in the world today. So it's one of these, again, one of these Harry songs that is really timeless. Yeah, well, I bet if the song was released, it would be a really big hit. But thank you so much for talking with me. And with this amazing documentary comes with so many amazing stories. So everyone watching this should definitely go watch um, Harry Chapin, When in Doubt, Do Something. Thank you, Zoe. You're great. Thank you. <laughs> that was my interview with Rick Korn. I had such an amazing time talking to him. And with this amazing documentary comes lots of fascinating stories. And check out Harry Chapin, When in Doubt, Do Something, in theaters October 16th. Bye. Let's take a break. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Rainbow Rangers, Rangers to the Rescue. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We have been talking about Harry Chapman, and next we will be talking with David Shipman, who is the creator of the Baby Mind Project. How are you today, David? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? I'm good as well. Good. Now, uh, to start off, can you maybe give us a little bit of a description of, what's the, of what the Baby Mind Project is? Sure. Yeah. So the Baby Mind Project is a wonderful collaboration of music uh, that 
that spends the message that you're safe, you're brave, and you're not alone. Um, it's a lullaby album, but it's a lullaby. It's it's, a, it's an album for any any person in any walk of life. Uh, and the great thing about it is that not only is it a message that everybody needs to hear, but 50% of the proceeds of the album actually go back to benefiting vulnerable children in Africa. So it's a feel-good album in many ways. Yeah, that is incredible. And I think, um, you know, especially right now, I think this is very important. And um, can you maybe go a bit into detail about the creative process of creating this album? Of course. Yeah, it was a... It was definitely a learning experience. Uh, this is my first album that I've ever created, but we spent uh, two years developing it. Um, we specifically tailored the album to follow um, the soothing nature of how you drift off to sleep. Uh, so we start with a lot of instrumentation and choral arrangements and singers, uh, and then slowly but surely peel back layer by layer until it's just an acapella singer, uh, which is awesome. So the whole album kind of descends as you fall and drift off into sleep. Um, the creative process was incredible because we worked with choirs from all over the world to put together this project, specifically in Kenya and Uganda, which is uh, two, which are two of the places that the album actually benefits. So to have children represented on the choir, uh, on the album that are going to be fully represented is uh, and benefited through it is wonderful. That's honestly, I think the only word I can say to describe that is very beautiful. This. Um, cause I did actually like listen to the album and I, you know, I think you did a good job giving, giving that kind of feeling, uh, in the songs. Thank you. And that, that was a, that was a, something that we really focused on because we wanted it to feel, we wanted every song to kind of feel enveloping and like a big warm hug. And I think we really accomplished that. So I'm very proud of it. And, uh, you know, what kind of inspired you to create this album and, you know, specifically have it be lullabies was interesting to me. Sure. So I spent a lot of time in Africa. Uh, I had never been out of the country before, but Africa, I spent uh, my, my first country I went, ever went to was Uganda. Uh, and there was this little boy who was there. His name is Davis. And um, I, I met Davis within my first several days of being in Uganda. And I went by myself. I didn't go with a team. I just went because I had an urge to, to go. And uh, a trusted colleague pointed me in the direction because I love working with vulnerable kids. And I was holding Davis in the orphanage one day and realized that I was singing to him. And he was falling asleep and he was being lulled. Um, and something that comes so naturally. Uh, and what I realized is that some of these children had never heard lullabies before. They were picking up their pillows and blankets and they were coming and they were crowding around and falling asleep listening to the, the songs that I was singing to Davis. Um, and it, it just kind of clicked that music was something that was both simple um, and powerful to give. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a message that anybody can relate to is that you're brave and safe and not alone. Uh, and so that message was really, really important for me to deliver because as we built the album for orphaned children, uh, the messaging really focuses on not focusing on parents and love so much as it does on on them being powerful. Mm -hmm. that, that's, that's really sweet. This, yeah. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to think of like things to say in response and I'm just like, this is so like wholesome. I can't even like <laughs> come up with anything funny to say. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, it's 
it's really it's fun to watch people like yourself have reactions to it. I mean, the great thing about the album is that everybody hears it a different way, but but it's 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 great to know that the reaction across the board is something that is so well received because we spent so much time making sure that the people who it would benefit were were showcased and were um, represented on the album. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and I think that's you know very important for something like this. Sure. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Harry Chapman. And right now we are talking with David Shipman, who is the creator of the Baby Mind Project. So um, do you have like a favorite song that you worked on uh, for this album? So I have two favorite songs. I mean, they're all my favorite songs. Right? <laughs> I have to say that. Uh, no, they're, they're all incredible songs, but I, I specifically have two that are my favorite. And they're, and they're the first track on the album uh, and the last track. Uh, the first track, it opens with a child singing, uh, an African child singing, Who Will Sing My Lullaby? And there's this really warm, enveloping response. And the first, the first lyric you hear any singer uh, sing on the album is, Be Brave, Little One. And that's a message that, ca that carries throughout the rest of the track and the rest of the album. And then I mentioned earlier that... Um, uh, that we started, we followed this natural progression. And so the first song is really full. There's this African children's choir. It's really beautiful and resonant and, and, and full. Um, and then my second favorite is the very last song, which is the exact opposite. Baby mine, don't you cry. I have a fun little story uh, that I haven't told anyone yet. Uh, and that's that when we were in the studio, um, we were recording everything and I recorded Baby Mine, which is the title track on the album, the first day. And it was great, but it just didn't sit right. And so the very last day that we were in the recording studio, I had them turn off all the lights in the studio and I took off my sweatshirt and I, uh, like my, my hoodie, and I, I cradled it like a child and I sat on the floor. Um, and I sang it like I was singing to an orphaned child in Africa. Um, and that's the take that we used. And so I had this wonderful vision of, of who it was going to be benefiting and how it was going to be, uh, you know, received. And so it, it was, it was really wonderful to have that moment of just being honest and real and singing like you would to a child falling asleep in a nursery. Again, I can't, I, it's like, this is just like, all of this is just so like nice feeling like. <laughs> well, and you know, it's so powerful, especially right now, especially because, yeah. because so many people are stuck at home and, you know, COVID has, has really distance uh, between ourselves and other people. Uh, and so I think what's great about it is that it's, it's, their traditional Disney songs, things that people already know and love, like, you know, When You Wish Upon a Star, um, Baby Mine, um, you know, there's there a million dreams from The Greatest Showman. There are so many things that people know and already love, and we've made them, we've twisted them to make them very current and modern, but regardless of whether you're five years old or 95 years old, you listen to it and you just feel comforted by it and, and you feel like you're not alone. And that's something that anybody at any stage of life can appreciate, especially right now. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right that this came out at probably like the perfect time because <laughs> everyone's very like unsure right now. And I would say a bit paranoid because there's a lot going on. So it's like, it's true. 
You know, and and what makes it what makes this album even more exciting is not only does it share that message, but I mentioned earlier, 50% of the proceeds go towards benefiting vulnerable children in Africa. We actually partnered with a Kenyan, uh, sorry, with a with a, a children's hospital for orphans in Kenya, and one of our first projects is we actually installed a. Um, uh, speaker system in the hospital so that as for safety reasons but also so that at night as the children are falling asleep they can be comforted by the music uh, and we're creating an emergency relief fund with the proceeds so that the children who are there can get the emergency medical relief that they need uh-huh. so it's it's music with a cause <laughs> yeah the best kind of music the best kind and um you know, actually, on the, on that note, it's like, because I feel like people don't really respect the fact that music can mean a lot to people. And um, all these diff- there's all these different types of music that exist out there. And so many of them have such an emotional significance to people. So, um, like, how, how important do you think music is to the people of today, especially children? Oh, incredibly important. I think that any kind of music encourages mental development, uh, it, it, it enhances education, social skills, comfort, especially anxiety. Um, having comforting music, I think, is imperative. Um, and what's great about it is that this album kind of touches on any genre across any, any, any demographic. And so final question, where can people listen to this album? everywhere uh so if you want more information you can go to our website babymindproject.org mine m-i-n-e uh as an echo and uh or you can listen to it on spotify or google or you know apple music anywhere you can listen to music you can listen to our album that's wonderful thank you so much for this interview Thank you so much for having me. This has been really, really exciting. And uh, I can't wait to hear it. And, and, uh, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it and share this with the people that you love. So let's take a break. I'm Callista Best from Los Angeles, California. And you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Rainbow Rangers, Rangers to the Rescue. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Calissa Best from Los Angeles, California, and you've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We have been talking about Harry Chapman and with David Shipman, and next we are going to be talking with Catherine on Two Hearts. Uh, how are you doing today, Catherine? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good as well. So uh, to start off, can you give us a description of the plot of this movie? Okay, so this story is really hard to explain without spoiling it. So this this film is based on the true story of a kid named Christopher Gregory and Jorge Bricardi. It, and it takes place in two different decades, two different cultures, two different ages, and two different romances. And so they have pretty much nothing in common, and yet their lives intertwine um, at the end because they have a profound connection, which you'll have to see when you watch Two Hearts. <laughs> well, that sounds interesting. Um, like, So, like, how does exactly does that work, having them intertwined? Is it basically, like... They, both of their plots like happen at the same time or like so like okay so for Jorge's story it it starts out a little bit earlier than um Christopher uh so it's like Jorge um falls in love and then um later Christopher falls in love but then their lives kind of intertwine so it just kind of goes back and forth between the times, um, and then it, it'll eventually come together to the same time. Mm, okay. Because the way you worded it, I was like, this is this sounds intriguing. I was like, I don't know. I, there's just the idea of having, like, two characters who are, like, sort of connected in a way. That's just always been fascinating to me. I don't really know why. It, it, it's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. So uh, how are the characters in this film? The, well, the characters, um, they are based on true people, so they had to talk to, like, the real, like, you know, they actually had to talk to the real people and family Mm -hmm. members. They were like, so it's like, oh, is this how this person is? It's like, oh, no, you know, so they were, they were pretty accurate on, based, uh, based on the real people. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's always kind of, like, interesting when you have, like, a story that's based off of a real person and you kind of have to, like, figure out a way, like, do you want to basically just, like, make it its own, like, story and, like, not anything like the real story or do you want to, like, be accurate and, like, you have to do all these interviews with people. So that's a bit interesting. Um, and it, it does feel kind of weird to call them characters when they're not really Yeah, characters. it does. It's like, you know, they're, I- they're people. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I have this problem whenever I have some kind of, like, historical fiction thing. It's like, do I say characters or, like, what? Yeah. Um, 
Did you do any research on the actual story? And if so, um, how would you say this film did in terms of adapting it? I, I did do some research because it was so, it was very interesting. Like you kind of had to do research, I feel like. Um, and I was just also interested in like, I'm like, oh, what do they look like in real life? Or how close were they to this and that? And so it was actually very, yeah, it was pretty good. They did a really good job at adapting it um, to be very close to the, what really happened. Well, that's nice to hear. Cause I feel like I know, I know like adaptions don't necessarily have to be like the original story, but it, it, it's pretty important in my opinion, at least a little bit. So how was the acting in this film? Okay, so this movie was a tearjerker. It may seem like a love story, but it was really sad. Um, so I cried for like probably the last 25 minutes. So it was really believable. Like it was super believable. And uh, oh, dang, <laughs> it was really believable. Like I almost felt like I was there watching them in the room with them, like experiencing it because it was <laughs> really good acting. Yes. Wow, that's that's interesting because like I don't usually think of romance when it comes to good acting, but then again, that might just be my bias because I've stated before I have a bias. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, actually speaking of that, um, how exactly, how much of like a good like romance story would you say this film is? So it was kind of corny, like it was a little bit corny, but so it's. It's a romance, I would say that, but it's also like a true story. So it has some pretty sad realities and stuff. So I'd say in terms of the romance, it was a little corny, but it was fine. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very funny way to put it. Just like, it was fine. How was the cinematography in this film? So there wasn't too much like that had to go on. Like it wasn't like an action movie. It wasn't anything like that. So it was, I mean, it was pretty good. Like it was just what I would have expected from the movie. So nothing greater, nothing lesser. It was just, good. Mm -hmm. yeah, it was pretty, pretty average. <laughs> and so final question, uh, what star rating and age rating would you give this film? So I give it a four out of five stars. I did enjoy it because um, it's very relatable. Um, and I recommend it for ages 11 to 18 because it's kind of harsh. It's kind of oh. <laughs> All right, well, you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We have been talking about Harry Chapman and with David Shipman. And next, we are going to be talking with Ethan and Tiana about, about a babysitter's guide to monster hunting. So um, to start off, Ethan, can you give me a basic plot synopsis of this film? So it's a very funny movie, first of all. And it's about how a girl named Kelly was attacked by monsters when sleeping in her bed. So it kind of fast forwards to when she's older and she's in school and she wants to go to party with her friend because her crush is going to be at the party. So she has to babysit instead of going to the party. So she's kind of upset about that. So she goes babysitting and she meets a kid who has the same nightmares and monsters that attack her like when she was a kid. So then the monsters attacked him and then... She had to call for help, but the police didn't believe her because who would believe someone who's saying a monster took my babysitting kid? <laughs> so then some girl named Liz came like a full on, I don't know, she looked like a battle lord. And she was like, I've known what these monsters are. Wow. That, that sounds very interesting. And <laughs> yeah, kind of is. 
Well, especially right now, considering it's almost Halloween, and I'm very excited about that. So, Tiana, um, how are the characters in this film? I feel like all the characters are amazing. They have great talent that play them. I feel like I love that they have all of their own unique skills. Like Kelly, she's really good at math. Uh, Liz, you know, she's just like a real leader. And she's very on task and focused. And then even all the other characters like Curtis Critter, he's like really good with the potions and the gadgets. I just feel like they are all so great. Well, that's nice to hear. Ethan, um, who, who would you say was your favorite character in this film? Um, I really love Kelly, played by Tamara Smart, because it's really cool how it's kind of like from her perspective. So at some parts, like um, Tiana was saying, is that when she does math, it kind of like calculates it. Like it kind of shows like what she's thinking in her head and she would do things in like two seconds. So it was like really funny and like cool to see how each person had their own personality. But I have to say Kelly was my favorite. And that's nice to hear. Uh, Tiana, uh, the same question. Who would you say was your favorite character? That is a hard one. I, I loved all the characters. I think my favorite character would have to be Liz LaRue because she is a very, like, she's very strong and powerful. And I feel like she's just very into it. And she's just very on task. And I really love how, like, even though you think she's someone who, like, doesn't really have fun with it because you know when you see her inside the film she's just always serious and like not really having fun but we know that she's someone who like even though she looks like she's not having fun this is what she knows needs to be done Mm -hmm. and uh yeah that's nice to hear and uh ethan uh what what was your opinion on the acting in this film um i loved it so much you know um, I forgot, I don't think anyone was mentioned, um, well, I forgot his name, it was the little boy that she was babysitting, I really loved how funny he was to be very little, like, <laughs> like, at some parts, they would say, like, oh, I think we need to do this, and you'd be like, no, duh, and it'd be so funny, <laughs> like, um, I think, yeah, his name was Jacob. Mm-hmm. So that you- was really funny of him. Mm-hmm. So you would say he was your favorite actor in this film? It's still Kelly because of, like, the math, but I would say he really did good at acting. Like, he's so good to be, like, at his age. I think he should be a professional actor. Wow. That's, uh, that's very, like, big praise. Yeah, because he he was, like, so funny in this film. Like, he can be, like, either a comedian or an actor. It was really funny. I loved Jacob. And you've mentioned the comedy a few times now. Uh, Tiana, would you say you agree with Ethan and you uh, also like the comedy in this film? Yes, I would. And it's like a very great mix of funny, but then there is also some scary in there, which I love. Um, And that's also what makes it a great family movie um, just in time for Halloween. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right, because um, Halloween is next week, I believe, which, wow, that's a bit surprising. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, actually, speaking of Halloween, uh, Ethan, would you say that this is a, a good Halloween film, maybe a new classic? 
Yeah, I think it'd be really enjoyable for kids because it's kind of like like she uh, like Tiana was saying, it's a mix of like Halloween and funny at the same time. And I think kids would really love this because the way the actors portrayed, like the way they would make their jokes, it was kind of like I think kids would really enjoy this. Mm -hmm. And so final question, Tiana, what age rating and star rating would you give this film? Uh, I would give this film probably like maybe an eight and up. I feel like it's something that the whole family can enjoy. Maybe not for like younger, younger kids because they might find certain things like the Grand Guignol and all the creepy things really scary. Maybe give them nightmares or something. But I feel like for kind of older kids, uh, and adults is something that they should definitely watch. And if they haven't already watched it, make sure that you do. And so thank you guys both for talking to me about this film. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you. Of course. Let's take a break. I'm Costa Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Rainbow Rangers, Rangers to the Rescue. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We have been talking about Harry Chapman, The Baby Mind Project, Two Hearts, A Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting, and next, we will be handing it over to Tiana to interview Tamara Smart and Una Lawrence about A Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting. Hi, this is Tiana Sermons reporting for Kids First, and today I am interviewing Tamara Smart and Una Lawrence about the new Netflix Halloween film, A Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting. Tamara is known for her role of Julie Fowler in Disney's film Artemis Fowl, the Netflix and BBC remake of The Worst Witch, and Nickelodeon series Are You Afraid of the Dark? 
Una Lawrence is a Tony Award-winning actress known for originating the title role in Matilda, the Broadway musical, the comedy Big Time Adolescence, and the Netflix thriller Lost Girls and Impeach Dragon. So, hi, how are you guys today? I'm well. That's great to hear. I am really excited for this. I really love the film. It is so amazing. I feel like it was perfect to be coming out right around Halloween. And you two are amazing in it. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. So let's get right into it. So just for starters, Tamara, I really loved watching the transition of your character, Kelly Ferguson, inside the film. So can you describe the process you used to help bring your character to life? Yeah, of course. Um, I think that for um, me and for Rachel, we really wanted the um, audience to see the real transition between Kelly at the start of the movie and Kelly at the end of the movie. We wanted her to start as just being a very sort of little girl who is afraid of the world and is being bullied to transitioning into this confident young woman who is ready to take on the world with Liz LaRue. Um, and yeah, I think it was hard at the start sort of um, having to start as someone very shy and sort of gaining the confidence within the shooting time. But I think hopefully we did it really, really well. And I thank Rachel because she had some really amazing pointers on how to sort of change um, just tiny little characteristics to make you seem more confident or more shy. Yeah, and you portrayed your character really well. Thank you. Yeah. And so another question for you also is that there were a lot of incredible visual effects and it was really cool getting to watching the scenes with the toadies and where you guys were fighting them off. And so how was it shooting scenes with them, especially with them being visual effects? So it was pretty hard. Um, it was, we had an amazing actor, his name was Landon, who sort of stood in for the toady in some of the moving scenes or if um, we needed someone under something moving around so they didn't have to edit it. But um, to be honest, it could go from being a um, tennis ball to a real life statue of a toady to a cross made with tape to a person just standing in for it. It could literally be a hundred different things, um, including Landon in a full spandex unitard, which was fully green, which is absolutely hilarious. Um, wow. Yeah, it's, it was pretty hard trying to imagine things that were there, but it's obviously all part of the job and it just gets more fun because it's just running from nothing. Yeah, that's really cool. You know, and it was... It's like really creative, though that does seem pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now going to Una. Uh, so another visual effect was the Babysitter's Guidebook. And I know a lot of work went into creating it. How important was that guidebook to the babysitters? Oh, I mean, they're incredibly important. It's how they log all of the different monsters that exist and that they have to protect kids from. Um, so, yeah, it, incredibly important. Um, I, it, it, was, it was crazy. Um, on set, it, it really did look like magic, like in the scene where, like, the book opens by itself. 
um, it literally looked like magic. Like you couldn't even tell that there was anything controlling it or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it, it, they, they did it so well. It, it, really, it really looks as ancient as the book really is. It really does. And I really bet that book was so important because that had everything that they needed. Everything. One of my favorite things to see in the movie was the girl empowerment. And it was such a huge element of the film. So still over on Una, how do you personally relate to girl empowerment? I mean, I think every day uh, it, it, being able to go out into the world and, and feel empowered in a very patriarchal society is super important to have characters on screen um, and women and, and girls that really represent the audience that is watching. Um, it's, it, it's incredible. Um, and I think that all of the lead women in our movie have just, they're just, they all reflect values that are just so important. And it's just so cool to see many, so many strong women and actresses and characters represented on screen. It really is. So Tamara, sometimes kids have a tough time fitting in and finding good role models. How do you feel about the role models in the movie being monster hunting girls instead of normie girls? Yeah, I think it's super important that we have um, lots of women, but also men, as um, these badass babysitters who, um, you know, kick monsters' butt. And I, I love the female empowerment, and it's such a good advocate for showing kids and young women that they have a voice. And I love that they all work together to, you know, make change, you know, beat the grand guignol, find Jacob. I just love watching that transition of all of them gaining that confidence and grouping together just to find an end goal. It's really inspiring and empowering for not only girls, but kids of all generations. Yeah, it's been amazing to be part of that. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we have been talking about Harry Chapman, The Baby Mind Project, Two Hearts, and A Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting. And right now we are going to be continuing Tiana's interview with Tamara Smart and Una Lawrence. So, the members of the Secret Society of Babysitters make an incredible team. And teamwork was another thing that was really big inside this film. So, Tamara, why do you think characters work so well together? in the film, even though they have different personalities and their own unique skill sets? I think that the way that we set up the babysitters and the way that we set up how Kelly is, it's they've all got these different talents that when you put them together, they become this unbreakable force to be reckoned with. Um, just the same way how Liz is protective and she's sort of a fighter to the way that Bernard is, you know, the technical technical genius um to all the other babysitters who have their own skills and when we put them together we can do anything um and i think it was really important in our movie to sort of highlight each of our strengths and put them together to you know beat the grand guignol and i i love that at the start of the movie kelly's not really you know um People don't really accept her talent of maths and they just sort of make fun of her for being a nerd. But when she joins the babysitters, it's, you know, it's a power, it's a strength, it's not a weakness, it's not something you should be ashamed of, it's accepted and loved. Yes, I agree, because every unique talent has a purpose. 
Yes. So now switching back to Una, there are a lot of spectacular, sorry, there are a lot of spectacular stunts in this film, and I know that you have a background in using harnesses. How involved were you in executing the stunts, and did you have, or did you do a lot yourself, or did you have a stunt double? So I did have a stunt double. Um, so my stunt double was Taryn Roberts. Shout out, Taryn. Um, and she was incredible. I mean, she has a background in um, a lot of, like, motorcycle stuff. So that was great, obviously. Um, and so she did most of it. Um, I think just for, like, liability reasons, we couldn't really do it. Um, we're not professional stunt women. So, um, but, yeah, I got to do a couple. Um, I, there's a scene in the movie where um, I have, a, like, a combat scene and um i got to do a bunch of like cool fan kicks in the air um and, and just like stuff like that and then there's another scene where me and kelly are like looking for jacob and one of the locations that we go to has this huge ball pit and i know i got to jump in that a lot so <laughs> those, were, those were probably the biggest um stunts that i did but they were fun nonetheless yeah the stunts were like so just amazing Thank you. Well, though, that was all the time we had. Thank you so much for your time. This was so much fun. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. You're welcome. This is Tiana Sermons reporting for Kids First. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel so you don't miss my next interview or the review of my terrific team members. And look out for our Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting on Netflix. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions to watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First film critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look for our reviews on Press for Kids, KidsWorlds.com, and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. Today's show is sponsored by Rainbow Rangers, Rangers to the Rescue. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode, and tune in again next week.